I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. Today's episode is all about helping you to make better career decisions. It's one of the most common conversations that I have with people, where they're like, hey, I'm in this situation, I'm in a job, and I've just been made an offer to go and join this other company. Should I take it? How should I think through that decision? Or I'm thinking about going back and studying at university. Should I do it? Should I leave my job and go do that? And these decisions are you know, some of the bigger decisions that you're going to make in your life and they will have an impact on how much you're enjoying your work, your life, the type of things that you're going to do. So it's really worthwhile to have a way of making these decisions so that you're going to make the right choice the most amount of times. And so that's what I do today. Today I break down decision making for careers. I have a four-step framework that I developed with the help of some people who I really respect, who I think are really, really good at making these types of decisions. And what it does is give you like a really, really clear process for how to think through these types of choices and avoid some of the common mistakes that people make. So on this episode, that's what I do. We walk through each of those four steps in terms of how to make good career choices and talk about some of the common mistakes that people make and how you can avoid them. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I do want to tell you about the Divergence program that's launching very, very soon. So Divergence is a program that I've designed to help people find out what job will make them happy. This podcast is all about that. It's about trying to help people figure out what it is that they want to do in their life. And I've created this program to do exactly that. So the link to the program is in the notes from this episode so you can go and click it there you can sign up for early access it's going to launch very very soon the program will actually run through november and into december it's not available for sale yet but if you go to that link in the bio you can learn more about what the program is all about and also you can sign up so that the second that it is live you can get a place on the program because because it's the first time i'm running it i'm only going to run it with a limited number of spots so I am going to have to cut it off at some point. So if you want to be involved, if you want to figure out what job it is that you want to do and that will make you happy, go and check it out and you can sign up there. But for now, let's get into episode 34 of the Two Roads podcast. So here's a couple of situations that you may have found yourself in over the years. So the first one is you're working at a company, but you've been thinking about some other opportunities. You start talking to another business I interview with them and you get an offer and you're trying to make the decision should you leave your current job and go take this new job with this new company another one might be that you've got multiple offers so this happens a lot you know when people are coming out of university they go through all these graduate interviews they've now got multiple options and they're trying to figure out which company should they go and work with another one might be that you're just really sick of your job and you're trying to decide whether you should quit or not even if you don't have something lined up another one that I talk to people a lot about is moving internally within the business so maybe you've been made an offer to go and join another team or to move geographically and go and join another office within that company so all of these are choices decisions that can crop up in our careers and we need to decide do we want to do that thing or which one do we want to do and we make these decisions relatively infrequently they don't crop up every you know that often like once a year would probably be a lot and so for anything that doesn't come up that often in our lives we're usually not that good at it because we don't get a whole lot of practice at it and we don't have a system or framework or process that we can fall back on to help us make these decisions 
And that's what makes these processes hard. And it's why we can get stuck and really stress out about, are we making the right decision? How do we know if we are making the right decision or not? And so that's what today's episode is all about, is talking through this process and figuring out exactly the types of steps that you can take so that you're pretty sure that you're going to get to a good decision for yourself. Now, before we jump in, a really important thing to clarify is that there's two types of decisions that you have to make in your across your career. So the first one is closed decisions and the second one is open decision. So a closed decision is something like this. It's like, should I do A or B? It's a very clear answer uh, or question. Um, should I take this job? or should I stay where I am? The second one is open decisions. This is something like, what should I do? What job should I do? What career should I pursue? What would I like to do with my life? And these ones are much more open. There's not, it's not a clear like yes or no answer. And what I wanna be very clear on is the purpose of today's conversation is to focus on how to make closed decisions. So where you have a very clear option in front of you or a couple of options and you're just trying to decide which one that you should take. Open decisions, they're much harder, to be perfectly honest with you, because the solution set is much, much broader. And this is actually what I'm focusing on with the Divergence program, is to help you answer these big open questions, like what should I do with my life? What sort of career would I enjoy? Yada, yada, yada. So if you're interested in that, of course, you can go and sign up for the Divergence program. But for today, it's more about closed decisions. Should I do A or should I do B? Now, I'm gonna talk you through the four-step framework, but before I do that, what I wanna do is give a little situation that we can use as we talk through the framework so that we can kind of bring it to life and make it very tangible and make sure that you have practical tips and you know how to actually apply this in your own life. So here's a situation that we'll use. So imagine that you're working at a large consulting firm. You've been there for say three years and now you've started to look at other job options outside of the consulting firm. So you've been talking with this startup and you've actually been interviewing with them for a role as a data analyst, and you're trying to make the decision on whether you should leave your consulting job and join this startup or not. So we'll keep that situation in mind and we'll refer back to it as we go through each of these four steps. But here's an overview of the four steps for making better career choices. Step number one is define what you're solving for. Step number two is go detective mode. That means do all your research and gather all the information that you need to be able to make this decision. Step number three is actually making a call. Sounds obvious, but at some point you need to use all of the information that you gather to make the decision. And then step number four is what I call final checks. And we'll go through what each of those steps means in detail now. So step number one, define what you're solving for. You need a set of criteria to make your decision. You can't just go in and not have an idea of what it is that you're actually optimizing for and just fly by the seat of your pants and then try and say, oh yeah, I think this is a job that I should go and take. And one of the most common mistakes that I see is that people define these criteria way too narrowly. So if they're looking at a certain job offer, so let's say in this case, we've got our person who's looking at leaving their consulting job to go and join a startup. They might just say, oh, well, yeah, like I can, you know, I can make more money. I can get a 20% raise if I go and join this startup. I said, that, that's fantastic. You're going to make 20% more money. How good. But if, you, if that's all you're looking at and you're forgetting about all the other elements of what makes a happy, meaningful life, you're going to make bad decisions. So 
you need a greater grasp of what you want from your life in total, not just from what this job is, because this job is just going to be one part of your life, and it's, but it will have an impact on what the rest of your life is going to look like. So a nice framework, which is very, very simple, that I use for this one, is to break it down into four categories. So number one is work. So this is what does your job actually look like? What do you get from it? Number two is health. So how important is health to you? And your fitness and your ability to kind of you know have good work-life balance the third is play which is really about fun do you still have room for fun how important is that to you to be able to go on trips to travel to be able to do things you know have hobbies outside of work and the third one is love which is broad category but it can mean everything from relationships with a partner family um, loved ones friends all that kind of thing and if you kind of think about those four categories which are super broad but it can make sure that you're not defining your success for a specific job too narrowly and then when you look at this decision you can say okay well how would it affect each of these four areas of my life and you may have different areas of your life but what I would really suggest for you to do is to make sure that you're thinking about your life in a holistic way and that you're applying your decision-making criteria to that and not just looking at one or two parts of it because then what happens is you'll make a decision and you'll say oh great i picked this job and you know the job is great but now you've got no time for all of your hobbies which are really important to you or you've got no time for you know your partner um, and that is not good that's when you make mistakes so the best time to actually do this step to define what you're solving for is before you actually even have a very concrete decision in front of you I understand that that's not always possible, but what I would do is when you're going through step one, try and remove yourself from the specific decision that you have in front of you, right? Because if you've got a decision, if you've got a choice, say, where there, you're going to get a raise in this job, then you're naturally going to think to yourself that maybe money is quite important to you. That, not may, that may not be true. So try and separate yourself from the decision and say to yourself, look, what is important in my life? What do I value? What are kind of my philosophies for what a good life looks for me? What stage of life am I at? What am I trying to prioritize for right now? Am I trying to prioritize for work-life balance? Am I trying to prioritize for career progression? Am I trying to prioritize for money? Am I trying to prioritize for just something that I'm passionate and that I care about? So make sure that you've defined those criteria for yourself up front. Another thing I would say is that as you're kind of defining what you're solving for look at the decision that you're going to have to grapple with and say, is it a one-way door or a two-way door? So a one-way door is a decision where once you make the decision, that's it. You can't go back on it. There's no way to kind of get back to where you started. A two-way door is a decision where you can say, hey, look, I can go through this door and if it doesn't work out, if I don't like what's on the other side of it, I can always come back through it. So if we take our example of the person at the consulting firm thinking about joining the startup, I would say that's probably a two-way door. Right? If you leave your consulting firm and you go and you join a startup and it doesn't work out, you can definitely come back to that consulting firm or a consulting firm very similar to it. And so that then influences how you can think about your decision because if it's a two-way door, that frankly, there's a lot less pressure and you can kind of move a little bit quickly, a bit more quickly, and you need a little bit less confidence in that decision because ultimately it's a reversible decision. One other common mistake I see in this area when people are trying to define what they're solving for is that they're actually running from something bad instead of running towards something good. So this especially happens if you're in a job that you don't like and you just want to get out of there. And so the first opportunity that comes up when you've been made an offer to go and join somewhere else, you say, oh yeah, I'll take it. That's it. I want to be out of here. I'm done. 
obviously this is not a great way to make decisions you really want to be making a decision where you're running towards something good so if you find this if you when you're kind of defining what you're solving for and you actually realize oh i'm what i'm solving for is actually just to get out of this job then i would say mm, okay hold on take a pause if you really really hate it and you have to get out of it do but be very conscious that that's why you're making this decision because i do see and i've made this mistake before where i've been in a situation where i was like i just need to get out of this place go into another place i don't do enough due diligence in trying in making that decision and then i'm in there and i realize actually do you know what this isn't perfect and so sure you got out of where you were which was bad but now you still have to go and make another choice and, and try and find somewhere new uh, which is tough so that's step number one be very clear in what you're defining as success choose what you're solving for and then we're going to be able to use those frameworks into step two which is what i call going detective mode so one of the biggest mistakes i see people make when they're trying to make decisions is that they don't get enough information decision making is all about having as much high quality information about the decision that you're making as possible so that's why you need to go full detective mode this is all about doing your research and gathering all the information that you need so what you want to do is start by saying okay well i know what kind of my criteria for success looks like what am i actually solving for with this decision well what do i need to know to be able to make that decision and then you're going to go and remove all of those gaps and all of those uncertainties you want to be like a detective trying to solve a case so an example of what this might look like in you know for a situation of the consultant who's considering joining a startup is they might say well you know i need to know what skills am i going to develop in this role i need to know exactly how much money i'm going to make and will that allow me to live the lifestyle i want i need to know will i get to work with talented interesting people will i have enough free time to pursue my hobbies in the evenings and the weekends will i enjoy the culture at the company is it aligned with my values will i enjoy working with my teammates is my boss a good person whatever those things that you've kind of defined are important to you, you then need to break those down into actually specific questions and then go and gather the information that allows you to figure that out. Because if we take one of those questions, right? So will I have enough free time to play rugby, you know, or pursue my hobbies in the evenings and weekends? You can get the information that would allow you to answer that question. And you don't want to stop before you have enough information that allows you to do that. So how do you actually do that? Well, there's a couple of things. So the first one I would say is that you want to really spend time with the people who you'd be working with at the new business, right? There's no substitute for just the amount of time. People can kind of put on an act for an interview for an hour, half an hour, 90 minutes. If you spend a lunch with somebody, if you spend like a day or a couple of days hanging out with somebody, they can keep up an act for that long. So you're going to get to know what they're actually like and what it would actually be like to work with them another thing you can do to gather this information is to ask ex-employees so if you're looking at a certain company if you're looking at this startup you know whoever's trying to recruit recruit you is going to tell you a great story the founders will tell you a great story the recruiters are heavily incentivized to tell you a great story because they want you to take the job but people who might give you something a bit more closer to the truth is ex-employees so people who don't work there anymore they're probably a bit less skin in the game so 
you can find these people on LinkedIn. It's super easy. Go to LinkedIn. You can just search like previous companies equals and put in the company that you're looking to join. Cold DM them. If you don't know them, just send them a LinkedIn uh, message and say, hey, you know, I've got a couple of questions. Could we have a chat or even just put your questions into the LinkedIn DM itself? And they'll usually be super honest with you. And that's a really great way for you to source this information and help you to build your research base for making this decision. Another one is to actually use the interview process itself. So most people don't use the interview process anywhere near enough as they should for gathering information. So an interview is 100% a two-way conversation. It may not feel like that to you, especially if this is, you know, maybe only your first or second job, because usually in there, you're in the mode of, I just really want this job, I need to impress them. And it feels like a one-way conversation where they're asking you all the questions and you're just trying to impress them. And then if you do get a chance to ask questions, you usually just ask things that you think are impressive, but you don't actually care about. Don't do that. Ask questions that you really want to know, not just ones that you think will make you look smart. So if work-life balance is something that's really important for you, ask specifically, you know, how does this company approach work-life balance? What time do people come in in the morning? What time do people leave in the evening? What's your policy on kind of after hours work? And um, what's your policy on working remotely and working from home? And don't settle for, for vague answers, especially, you know, you know, people will kind of try and maybe bluff you or blow you off a little bit if you've kind of hit a nerve and they think that th you're not going to like the answer that they're going to give you. But don't, don't settle for that. So an example might be if you're talking about commission, right? So this is a big one, especially if you're in sales and people tell you, okay, they might say the commission is, you know, a 60-40 split, which means that, you know, 60% of your total commission will be a base salary. And then if you hit your target, 40% of um, your total compensation is available through commission and bonuses. Um, that's great if you can get the information, but here's another level that you can go to where you can say, okay, great. Well, can you tell me, you know, exactly what those commission numbers looked like, you know, for the last quarter, what percentage of your sales reps actually achieved, attained full commission last quarter? Because that gives you now more information um, to be able to understand, okay, well, what, what kind of money could I actually earn from this job? If they say, oh yeah, 10% of reps earned full commission last quarter, well, that's very different to saying 90% of reps earned commission last earned their full commission last quarter and so you want to kind of keep pushing down to those levels of detail where you have a strong case and you've got a ton of research that will allow you to make the decisions okay so here are some that's like what three or four ways that you can kind of start to go full detective mode do your research get all this information gather all this information that you're going to need to make decisions and you need the information if you don't have information how can you make a decision it's like impossible couple of other ways that you can do to or things that you can do when you're in this process right so talking to more people and there's two categories of people that you can talk to here and I was talking to Philip Dorn who's the CEO of HelloFresh Ireland and um, for this podcast and we were chatting about different things that he does to kind of work through big decisions in his career and he said that there's two kind of groups of people that he can go to so the first one is mentors and the second one it's just close people in your life who know you really well. And the important thing is to know 
that you should be going to each of these groups of people for different types of information and different advice. So mentors are usually people who, you know, are in your industry or are maybe a good few years ahead of you and they can give you really good advice on, you know, the job, the industry, the path, etc. that you're thinking of going down. You can go to them with questions like, hey, um, you know, I want to know if you think this move into this startup is promising from an industry perspective. Do you think this industry has a lot of potential? Do you think I could accelerate my career over the next five years in this industry, right? Now, I wouldn't ask my dad that question, but I would ask a mentor that question. Now, when I go to the close people in my life, like say my dad, I could say, look, dad, I'd love your thoughts on this job that I'm looking at. And I just want to know, is this the right fit for me as a person? Like based on what you know about kind of my values, what I want from life, like what are your thoughts? Do you think it's a good fit? And so it's really important to know that you've got these two different categories of people in your life and you can go to them and you should go to them with different questions. And especially the close people are really, really helpful for showing you your blind spots because they'll know you, they'll know what motivates you, what interests you, and they'll help you be able to self-reflect and maybe ask you questions that you hadn't thought about before because with these types of decisions, it's really, really easy to just be in your own head and kind of ruminate and stuff. And you want a fresh perspective and somebody to go, look, Steve, like, I actually think, you know, that you really value working in a place that um, really values like social impact. But this place doesn't sound like it value, it has any sort of social conscience at all. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you're right, you know, because it's really easy sometimes to to have blind spots, especially when you know, you want to have blind spots. Maybe there's parts of this thing that you want to actually ignore. So there are a ton of ways for actually getting information from people about the job, about the career path, about, you know, what they think of your own motivations and your own values. And the last thing you you can do to actually, you know, be a real good detective is to get information about yourself. And how you can do this is by trying to like prototype a decision. Right, so this is something I talk a lot about, which is like life prototyping, which I think is a super, super useful exercise. And ultimately, it's about trying to live a little bit what that decision would look like and get as close as possible to living it before you actually make the choice. So an example might th- of this might be if we take our consultant is rather than just talking to all of the people at the startup, actually say, hey, look, you know, could I could I come and spend a day with you guys? Could I come into the offices, spend a day with you? Could I maybe even work on like a little project, join some of your team meetings and really get a sense for the type of work that you do? Now, of course, they might say no, but if you spend a whole day going around with the team that you're going to be working with in their meetings, maybe even doing like a tiny bit of work for them, that is the best information that you can get for whether you would enjoy working with these types of people doing that kind of work, right? That is like invaluable. You've basically, you know, have made 90% of the choice, but you haven't actually committed yet. So that's the last piece of advice that I would give for people in the second step of going full detective mode is find ways to prototype your decision, try and live it out and see what information you can gather from that. So now that you've defined the criteria, that you're going to use for this decision you've gone full detective mode and you've gathered all of this information it's now time to actually make 
the decision. And if you've done a good job at defining these criteria and gathering all this information, you'll probably have a pretty good idea of what the right decision is at this point. But here's a couple of tips just to help you get clarity and to choose and then move forwards. So the first helpful tip is to consider three scenarios when you're looking at each choice. So you wanna look at the best case, the worst case, but also the median case. So kind of like the most likely case. And the reason this is helpful is like some of us have tendencies to think of either the worst case scenario or the best case scenario, and then not to consider the other options. But when we're making any choice, there's gonna be variability. We're not gonna be able to predict exactly how this choice may pan out. And so it's helpful for us to understand in each of those three scenarios, what would happen and what would that mean for us? So in the best case scenario, think about this kind of the top 5% of potential outcomes. What would your life look like? What would be happening? And you know, how good would that be? Then you wanna look at the worst case and say, well, okay, what if it all went to shit? and I had the bottom 5% of outcomes. It went really, really bad. How bad would that be? Is that something that I could deal with? Am I comfortable with that risk? And then of course, you wanna look at the median case. So this is essentially, in the most likely scenario, what would this choice lead my life to look like? And so if you've got people who are, you know, um, eternal optimists, they're wonderful people, but when they look at this, they might think that their best case is actually the median. And so they think that, they assume that, you know, this is gonna turn out in the top 5% of possible situations, and that's their assumption. And so then that can lead them to, you know, have an altered decision-making process because they're assuming that's gonna be fantastic, where actually the most likely case is that it's gonna be somewhere in the middle. Of course, it's possible that it turns out fantastic, but maybe it won't. And likewise for people who are, you know, maybe a little bit more pessimistic by nature, and they're gonna always look at the worst case scenario and not consider the fact that actually it's much more likely that it'll turn out much better than this. So that's the first tip I have for this step three when you're actually making the decision. Another one I have, which is really, really helpful, I first learned from Matthew McConaughey, but I've also have friends who use this um, tip as well, is to just assume that you've made one of the decisions. Pretend that you've decided. So if you're in between decision A and decision B, just pick decision A and sit with that for like a week and just live your life thinking that, okay, I've made the decision. How do I feel about that? How do I... Uh, you know, how is that sitting with me? Another good tip that I had was, imagine then that you've made this, decision, made this decision and you're going to go and tell people close to you about the decision that you've made. In that imaginary scenario, what does it feel like? Are you excited about it, All right? Or are you actually like, oh God, I actually you know, don't feel so good about telling people about this? Or it's kind of like meh, right? And meh is usually not a good signal. You wanna be all in. And so you can do that for a week with, you know, choice A and then for week two just flip and pretend that you've decided to take choice B and you can then feel how the two of those are different in your own mind and in yourself and you'll get a really really good idea and it's a much easier way to kind of force you to have reactions and emotions about each of these different decisions rather than just sitting in the ambiguity between the two of them and not knowing you know which one you should take. And the third, so, well, this is a mistake that I always see people make as well, is getting stuck in analysis paralysis. So, yes, you've got to go full detective mode. You've got to get as much information as you possibly can, but you are never going to have 100% of the information that you need. You can't predict the future. You're not going to know absolutely everything. So 
you can't get stuck in analysis paralysis. You have to have a bias for action. And at some point, just make a call. Be a little bit comfortable with the ambiguity and say, do you know what? Fuck it. With everything that I know today, I think this is the right choice for me and I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. So they're kind of three tips that I would have for people in around kind of that making the decision phase, the step three of this process. You know, so you want to kind of consider these three scenarios first, best case, worst case, median case. The second tip is pretending that you've actually made each decision and seeing and reflecting how that feels for you. And then the third one is about not getting stuck in analysis paralysis and having a bias towards action. And ultimately, you've got to make a decision at some point. Once you've done those three, it moves you on to step four, which I call the final checks. So at this point, you have made a decision that you're going to go and I'm going to do choice A. So let's just say in this situation of our consultant friend, the consultant has decided, that's it. I'm going to leave my consulting job. I'm going to go and I'm going to join this startup. And that's what I'm going to do. Fantastic. Now, before you pull the trigger, before you send the email, to the recruiter to say, yep, that's it, I'm taking the job before you sign the contract. There's three final checks that you can do to make sure that it's the right call for you. So your default is that you're gonna do this thing unless one of these checks comes back with a big red cross. So the three checks are the values check, the future you check, and the gut check. So the values check is asking yourself, does this align with your beliefs about the world and what you value at a fundamental level it's really not a good idea to go and do something to take a job that is in conflict with your beliefs about what you think is right in the world and what you value so this might be a social cause it might be um how you feel about you know work-life balance it really could be anything but it's just if you have a deep value and this company or this job or whatever it is that you're gonna take is in conflict with that, you wanna check that and make sure that there aren't any major conflicts. The second one is the future you check. So this is really a good check to make sure that you're not just making super short-term optimized decisions. So with this check, what you wanna do is think of the you in 10 years time, looking back on this decision and say, would the future you be glad that you made this decision? Now you have to realize that it's only with the information that you have now. You don't have that benefit of hindsight that the future you might have, but it makes sure that you're not just, you know, taking one because you say, okay, well look for the next six months, it's be lovely and I'll get a little pay rise, but actually you're screwing yourself over in the long term. So that's what the future you check is really good to do. Make sure that you're not just optimizing for short term and screwing yourself over long term. The fast the last one is just a good check. And as simple as this is, it just does it feel right. And this is especially important for people who are driven primarily by rational decision making. I know a lot of people who, you know, would have very, I can't remember whatever, which one, I think it's right-brained, like the more kind of logical, like structured, mathematical approach towards decision making. And even they have told me that it's super important for me to complete a gut check before I do any final decision. Does it feel right for you? And this is really helpful information. You shouldn't dismiss this information. If you get to this point and you run a gut check and you say, do you want, on paper, everything looks fantastic about this, but there's just something not right. Something doesn't feel right about it. I would give that gut check a lot of weight. 
Now ask yourself, why is that cropping up? It might be something trivial or something that you can you know solve and get rid of, but it is information and you shouldn't ignore it. Now, so these are your final three checks. These are much easier to do once the decision is made and that's why I put them at the last, right? So the default is that you're gonna go and you're gonna do this thing and then you run these three checks just to make sure that you've got your right decision. You run these three checks, they all come back green. You've made your choice, fantastic. Now it's time to pull the trigger, don't wait around. Go, sign the contract, send the email, do the thing, whatever it is, and move on. Once you've made the decision, move on. A common mistake that people do is that, you know, you can look back in six or 12 months time and you can say, oh, geez, you know, with hindsight, I shouldn't have made that decision. Maybe, that's great, but guess what? You didn't have hindsight at the time that you made the decision. All you had was the information at that time and further you at that point, you made the best decision you could. So there you have it. That is the process to help you make better career decisions. Step number one, define what you're solving for. Step number two, go full detective mode. Step number three, make the actual decision. Step number four, run your final checks to make sure that you've got the right choice. There's two other things that I'm gonna add on to this that are helpful for you to consider as you go through them. The first one is beware of sunk cost. So how this impacts your decision-making is that if you've already committed a certain amount of time or a certain amount of effort to something, you feel like you know that you hold the burden of that cost and that so you should stick to that path that you've already gone down. So I see this happening in a couple of ways. One is, you know, if you've been at a company for a number of years, you can say, oh, well, you know, I've already kind of got to know this company. I've kind of built my reputation here. And so, you know, I don't want to leave it. I don't want to leave all that behind me. Another one is that if you've actually gone through a really lengthy interview process and you've spent, you know, hours and hours and hours preparing for something and traveling to interviews and doing the interviews and then you get to the end of it, you feel like because you've kind of put all this cost and effort into the interview that, you know, you should almost take the job because if you didn't, then all of it was a waste. Don't fall into this trap. Sunk cost is a sunk cost. It's gone and you should just forget about those costs in terms when it comes to actually making your decision. Um, Another one as well, how this can kind of play out is when people can like stick to a decision even though they've got more information. So let's say our consultant joins the startup and at the time he was like, yep, this is the right decision for me. Six months in, he realizes, actually, I've learned more information about this startup. I learned that, you know, the the type of work I was doing, I was supposed to be doing, isn't what I'm actually doing. My boss is not the person that I thought he was or she was, or actually things have changed in the company. The situation situation has changed the information that you have has changed and it is totally okay to change your mind it is totally okay i was actually talking to somebody on linkedin recently who sent me this message with this exact story and they were like i joined this thing i thought it was going to be something else but it really wasn't and i didn't know whether to leave or not and they left and they were so happy they left after like a couple months moved into something else and way better um way better decision for them to do that so be aware of some costs and don't let it impact your decision making last little thing is something that i heard recently which is about keeping a decision log and it's a really good way for you to get better at making decisions over time so what basically this is is like a little document that you can keep in excel word whatever the hell and anytime you're making a big decision like this write it down write down what decision were you making what questions did you have what did you define as your success 
right? Um, what did you define as what you were solving for? What information did you gather? What choice did you make? Why did you make that choice? And then ultimately you can look back on this choice and say, ah, oh, well, like, you know, was it the right choice? What did you get wrong? What did you get right? Um, and you can use it to also fill in your blind spots. So if you made a wrong choice because you actually forgot to consider a certain aspect of the decision, then you can learn about that. And the next time you go to make a big decision, you can be aware of it and you can make sure that it doesn't happen again. So keep a decision log, really, really good way for you to improve your decision-making over time. Definitely use this for career choices. Honestly, you can use it for any part of your life as well or work. It's a really, really good way for you to improve your ability to make decisions. As I said, we usually don't make big decisions like this all that often. So we're typically not all that good at it. And so any tools or tricks that we can have to improve our ability to do this is very helpful. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that maybe you took something from it. And if you've got a big career decision coming up or something that's on your mind, maybe this proved helpful. If you do and you want to share it with me, please do. So you can get me on Instagram at the two roads pod or on LinkedIn. Just follow me on my personal profile at Steve Duke. Send me a DM with what's going on, what kind of decision that you're struggling with or looking at. And if I can be in help of any help, I certainly will be. The Divergence program is launching soon. If you want to check that out, the link is in the show notes. But apart from that, I will see you next week for episode 35 of the Two Roads Pod.